Hello and welcome to the Every Nation Twane Moikluf podcast. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message with us. It's so good to be with you. Um, this morning we continue a series that we started last week. Well, the week before we spoke about generational stewardship of generations and think about our children's children. And um, the very first week you can find all our sermons. Usually by Tuesday it will be on the podcast and our website, Every Nation 20. And um, we spoke about us living a life, how we are mindful of the generations to come, how we're mindful of our children. And if they serve Jesus, about their children and their children. And it's not just about us. And then two weeks ago, we started to speak about financial stewardship. Last week, financial stewardship and laying the foundation of what stewardship is and where it comes from. Because we could easily sometimes in these moments dive into a quick thing and talking about you know, tithes and offerings and those things. And it's actually not really about it. It's much bigger than that. And so we spoke about... Just that I'm going to go a little bit back because for those who missed last Sunday, I think it's important that we lay the foundation so we can continue to do today. And today I'm going to speak about unfaithful steward and what went wrong, like Bugs Bunny, what went wrong? Something went wrong. And if we don't understand what went wrong and we don't deliberately engage with that and say, Lord, help us that we will restore us back into the original plan, original intent that God had for us, we can live a life being Christians and still miss the purpose of God. And then next week we'll continue, Christian will be preaching on the principles of generosity. And then last week, we will just look at, you know, summarizing everything together, all about how God uses us with our work. I'm really excited. I believe that God wants all of us as human beings to live not just wake up in the morning and go to work and almost like feel like, why must I work? Why must I get up? Why must I do what I do? But find purpose in what we're doing. The Word of God is really emphasizing this very point of stewardship. You'll find right through the Bible, there's a lot of places where God speaks about praying, or speaks about salvation, about 500 verses about praying, 500 verses about, you know, just a life of faith. But you'll find that over 2,000 verses, God focuses on stewardship. There's a reason for the emphasis. Out of the parables of Jesus, 16 of the 38 parables speaks about stewardship and how we steward our lives. Obviously, God is making a big thing of it. Now, I want you to turn quickly. We're going to look at just last week. The foundational scripture we're using throughout the series is Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The scripture is really clear. No one can serve two masters. What will be the challenge you and I face since the fall? The fall has basically opened up not just this one choice, but it's almost like it's God versus many choices. But it's actually one choice. It's either God or not. If you look at the world today, what's happening in our world today, it's almost like truth has become relative. It's becoming an option of many things. 
If you look at, you know, all the confusion in the world from gender confusion to all kinds of things, it is God versus a lot of options. And it's almost like the Christianity is this narrow mind, this narrow thing, which is actually the end, the totally opposite. No one can serve two masters. Last week we spoke about Genesis 2 verse 5 which is a fundamental scripture that we need to understand. You'll find right at the beginning, God says, let us make man in our image and let's give them dominion over everything we've created. You'll see the assumption of work right at the beginning in Genesis 1. When God created everything, he called man, first of all, into a relationship with God himself and secondly, to steward what God has created. Work the ground. Be faithful in that. The very first mention we see in Scripture where God spoke about work is where God worked. Which means where God worked, which means if God worked, that was before sin, then work is holy, work is godly. So why is there such a sting, such a pain in work? And we're going to look at that today. Genesis 2 verse 5, where no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprang up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. What we spoke about last week, the concept of work, God said he withheld the rain, the plants to grow, the things to, that which brings fruit, that which brings multiplication. Well, that was God's mandate. Let us make man in our image and let them rule over the earth. And he says, go and multiply over the earth. So God has already put all the potential in what he's created for it to be successful. But right here we see God says, he withheld the rain so that the plants cannot grow, so nothing will grow. Why? Because he had no worker yet. God withheld provision because he's not yet created the steward. Stewardship is directly linked to the fruitfulness of our lives. And when God has said, the moment he, you know, he had a steward, he brought rain and suddenly there was life. Again, it confirms that God is the owner because he's the one who creates wealth. If God withholds, nothing will happen. But the moment God brings rain, it's God the owner. It's God who's ultimately God. One of the greatest discoveries any human being can make on the face of the earth. The greatest discovery. It's not science. It's not finding a gold mine. It's not kind of finding some treasure somewhere. The greatest discovery that you and I will ever find on the face of the earth is the day when you discover that you are not God. That day, you'll bow to God. That he is God. He is the owner. He is the real, authentic God. You see, we can easily take the word of God and break it up into snippets. And then we start to become, you know, it's almost like a lucky packet. We choose this and we choose that. And we kind of build a Christianity around the things we like. And we throw out the things we don't like. And we miss the whole concept of God. Who God is. The names of God are beautiful. But it's dangerous. Because many people choose the names of God like a puzzle. I like provider. I don't like the judge. I like this, but I don't like that. And then they form a God out of the names of God. And they reject some of the names of God. And they form a God, which means it makes you God because you just created your own God. 
It's idolatry. It's not Christianity. Why do people always move back to Hebrew roots and all these kind of things? It's because the man wants to be in control to try to create their own future without submitting to the God of the future. God is calling them away from this. Genesis 2 verse 15. The Lord took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. We spoke about it last week. Work it and keep it. Work it means there's nothing. Create something. Grow something. It's, it has the essence and the start of leadership to work the ground. Entrepreneurship. Work it and to keep it. Maintaining it. Managing it. Growing it. Being faithful with it. And it says, yes, everything. I mean, imagine this. God puts you in this place and he says, everything and more than what you think and what you need, I give it to you. And then he says, but... One thing, leave my tree alone. Leave this one thing out. I mean, they've got more than plenty, more than enough. And God says, there's one tree, leave it alone. And it's not about a tree, it's an apple tree, whatever. That's not what the point is. The point is, in the midst of love, in the midst of freedom, in the midst of submission, and a wholehearted loving God, He's not a controlling God. There's the option, do you want to serve me or not? And that option is still yours today. What is obedience if you're not tested that you can be disobedient? What is faithfulness if you can't be tested to be unfaithful? You see, there's something about glory, God's honor. God says, I am God. As long as you submit me and you honor me as God, it will go well with you. So let's continue to today. And we see what happened in Genesis 3 verse 6. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. What happened here? When a woman saw Many of the things that go wrong in our lives starts with what we see. And not just physically see. It's what we spiritually see. It's what we dream. We sit in a meeting and people sell things to us and we think, and it's, it's what we see. You see, there's nothing wrong to see things. God gave us the eyes to see and the spiritual eyes to see. But there was something on the inside of Eve and Adam that were starting to wander off from God. He says, they saw it and then it was a delight to the eyes. It's amazing how many times what happens in our lives, we're in a place where we've got everything and God has given us what we have and within the season of our lives, there's a place of contentment, but we can't live within the boundaries. Everything that God gives us, it's like, Lord, no, I want that one thing that's outside of this. I don't want to be restrained to this one thing. I want something outside. I want that thing also. Whenever you say to a child, you can have everything but that thing, they go for the but that one thing. It's just the nature of man. Now what is Eve saying here? Say this, see that the desire was for the tree that will make you wise. And then she took of it and ate. And just interesting here, she also gave some to her husband. That's why they make food today. Because she, from the beginning, gave food. I'm joking. I mean, you see, she took of it, and the Bible says her husband stood next to her. 
This is important to note this. Who did God give the command to not eat of the tree? He gave it to Adam. Eve was not yet created yet. Eve was not yet created. So what is happening? You see the essence of stewardship going wrong. Adam, I spoke to you. And you were responsible to step up and say, we're not supposed to eat of this tree. But what did Adam do? He neglected his responsibility. He stepped away. He's, he's been an absent husband. He steps away and allows his wife to eat. And in fact, he takes from the fruit and he also ate. When Eve ate, nothing happened because the command was not given to Eve. The moment Adam ate, you see the sinful. And from this moment, everything goes wrong. But if you look at the verses before the verse one to four, you find that three things were tested before she saw it's desirable and it's gonna make you wise. Really, is she looking after wisdom? Bible says, you want wisdom, ask me. God will give it to you. She's not looking for wisdom. Here's what happened. The very first question Satan placed in her mind and you'll find it very familiar because he does it with us also today. Did God actually say did God actually say? Is the word of God still the truth? Is the truth the truth? Or is it relative? You know, there's no more absolute truth. And we don't believe in the absolute truth. And you are absolutely sure there's no absolute truth. How can you be absolute about something you say it's not absolute? There is an absolute truth. But they say, did God really say? Broken trust. Don't trust God. Friends, the moment you and I don't trust God, who will we trust? Everything in life, everything about business is about trust. Even if it's wrong trust, it's about trust. You sign a contract because you trust. You pay a salary because you trust. You go and invest in something because you trust. Everything you do is about trust. The foundation of it all comes from God. It's trust. When God made everything and he gave Adam and Eve everything, only thing he said was not about is it an apple tree. He was saying, trust me. Trust me. I do not have hidden motives. That's why Satan was not just asking random questions. He was gunning for the foundation of a healthy relationship. He was gunning for the foundation of this whole redemptive plan God has. And he says, you can't trust him. You will not surely die. He said, first thing, he breaks the trust in God. And then the second thing he says, God is lying. You won't surely die. Man, you can live the life you live right now. You can continue. There is no consequences. There's a scripture in Old Testament that says, if a man breaks through a wall, he may be bitten. If it breaks through a wall, he may be bitten by a snake. You know what's the danger about that scripture? Is the word maybe. So what happens is we break the boundaries of our lives, the things, the principles, the things that God calls us, and we break through something, and then nothing happens. And if nothing happens, let me try it again. And then nothing happens, let me try it again. And let me try it again. And the next moment, you are bitten by a snake and a poison in your soul, and then you're in devastation. You surely won't die. There's no consequences disobeying God. In fact, God's heart has always been to bless his people. 
And the third question, verse five, for God knows. Now listen, here's what the enemy says. God knows that if you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. There's a better life than obeying Jesus. How many Christians do you know, if you start to speak about Christianity, they think there's a better life than serving Jesus? They might not say it that way, but it's like, no, that's boring. I remember when I was at school and I started to serve God, my friends would kind of keep me aside. They would not invite me to certain parties because I'm not going to do what they do. And I kind of felt like, no, don't, because that's boring. Living Jesus and loving Jesus is boring. This is exactly what's happening here. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will open up. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What is Satan saying? First of all, you can't trust God. Second of all, you won't die. There's no consequences for disobedience. And then the third thing, in fact, God is hiding from you something way bigger than he gave you. He gave you a little bit of things here, but if you eat of this tree, a life will open up to you. If you go beyond this, you'll have this incredible life if you just chase this thing. And then people run after fame. Von Morris sings a beautiful song. He says, fame will eat your soul. Fame will eat your soul. You drank some darkness, didn't you? You drank some darkness. All about fame. And he wasn't a Christian. There's something about running after fame, running after this and that. Apart from God, what happens? I'm looking for wisdom beyond God. I'm looking for a life apart from God. It's exactly what happened. And Satan said, there is something beyond God that you can go for because God is unrighteous. Friends, if we look at this in the foundation, Man was introduced into a life of not trusting God, breaking relationship with God, and start to desire things way above God and put self before God. What goes wrong in our own lives, what goes wrong in my life, is the moment I start to put my own needs and what I want above God, as if God does not know what I want and what I need as if God has, did not design me and create me and God did not create the world and everything that we do so that we can't find God in it, which is not true. And you see from this moment of the fall, you start to see one brother kill the other. You start to see just the devastation of mankind, broken relationships, pain and all kinds of things to the extent where you get to Genesis 11, verse 4. The people came together and they started to dream, led us, you know, being like God, you can be like God. See how this root of Satan says, you and yourself, you don't have to submit to God. Where's the foundation of pride? It's in the essence of independence from God. Let us build a tower. And we'll build us up to heavens to touch God's sky. Let us build a tower to make a name for ourselves. Business and Work has never been wrong. It's never been bad. It's never been ungodly. Work was not cursed. It's the moment we confuse whose name we're doing it for. It's the moment we replace God's name and our names. It says, let us make a name for ourselves. The moment radically affected God's original intent with work. They worked. They built this tower. How much time? Think about it. How much time in those days without all the technology and things we have today, they were building this tower and they're spending so much time on this tower. Why? Because they were building a name, making a name for themselves. How much hours, how much time do we spend in building something? 
Nothing wrong with work. What is the motive why we do this? See, since the fall, man has been offered choices. You can do it for yourself. You can do it for God. You can do it for this or that. And the moment we find ourselves in a place of vulnerability, we make bad choices. Genesis 3 verse 17 continues. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat all the days of your life. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So what's the result of this moment of disobedience from mankind? The Bible says immediately for the first time, there was an exchange. Whose voice do you listen to? In this case, Adam listened to his wife's voice. Which other voice was present? The voice of God said, Adam, do not eat of this tree. How many times do we make mistakes? In business, I've seen in my own life, listening to the wrong voice, exchanging the voice of God for another voice. If we can just listen to God's voice, where's the success of our future? It's gonna, it's be, it will be in a place where you know I humble ourselves and we listen to God's voice. We hear what God is saying to us and we obey God. Beautiful story. My grandfather passed away a few years ago. There's one year when he was praying and planting crops and he was praying and God said to him, I don't want you to invest. Don't take the money and put it into insurance. I want you to take that amount of money and you need to give it to this person. I said, God, I I'll do that to obey you. But, and he did give the money away. He did not insure his crops. I'm six years old. I'm driving with him in his truck and it started to hail. My grandfather stopped. I'm sitting right next to him. He says, Lord, you asked me to give this money away. I did. I'm asking to protect my crop. And literally on the fence, I could see a line like this, the hail falling on the other side. Not 1% damage. I'm six years old. Witnessing my grandfather speak to somebody out there as a six-year-old, and literally the sky and nature listens. See, that's the God we serve. Why? Because he did not change the voice of God for something else. But you find something happened, two things. Cursed is the soil, and in pain you will, from here on, go forward. Cursed is the ground, which means creation was affected, and in pain means the steward is affected. Both that God made, God made creation, and he made man, and both are affected by this moment of disobedience and the fall. Is this really how God wants us to continue to live? By the sweat of our face, we will earn our bread. We will struggle through life, which I know we're in a fallen nature, but has that really been God's heart? And because of this, now work is cursed. And, you know, it's kind of we're trying to find the best work. And when you say to your kids, go and study something, you almost look at, let's look at what, what's the earnest, you know, what can you earn the most? And I don't care if you like it or whatever. I mean, that's the biggest salary. Why don't you study this? And everything in life has become something else. Was that really God's heart? How do I know that the effect of the fall had an effect on my life? Here's the question. 
Is work the reason why you're not available to grow spiritually? Was that the purpose of work? Is work the reason for dysfunctional family? Was that the purpose of work? Was work really the reason so that we would have broken relationships and all kinds of things and ultimately miss out on the joy of life? That was never the intention of work. Why do we overwork? Because we overbuy. And when we overbuy, we have to overpay. Was that really the purpose of work? Was that really that we need to get this and that and listen to every ad and say we need something and they create a need in us to buy something we never needed and then we buy it and we realize we don't need it and now we have to pay what we didn't need? That was never the purpose of work. Friends, we are not of this world. We are different. God is calling us to a different place. Not that we should not work. Work is of God. Not that we should not earn. Earning is right. But we need to redefine why we're alive. We cannot allow the world to define our work. We cannot allow the world to say, you've got gifts, you've got talents, and then use it for something else. You were given those gifts and the talents on your life, and there was a reason, because work is not to earn wages. Work is worship. Work is the way we respond to the one who created us. If work is the reason for not being available for God and His purposes, we should redefine what work means. God is calling us, but thank God, He is a covenantal God. We just sang it this morning. We sang about Abram, we sang about Jacob, we sang about David. God is faithful throughout the ages, and here's the good news. See, we first have to understand the bad news before we already appreciate the good news. Many times, like, we just, oh, God, is just, yeah, He just died for us. You know what? Until you're at the place where you need to die, and then God rescues you, then the blood of Christ becomes precious. We need to understand the fall and the curse before we'll understand this verse, Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3. Now the Lord God said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to land. What was cursed? Land. What is God saying? I'm giving you land again. And I will show you, listen to me. Eve saw, what did she see? She saw something beyond God. What is God doing, Abram? Is Abram, I will make you see something again. I'm gonna open up your eyes to my realm of things. I will open up your eyes. Many people live blind to the things of God. That's why they cannot prioritize the things of God. That's why moments like this does not make sense to them because they are blinded to the things of God and they're wide awake to the things of the world. God, God said, Abram, I'll give you land and I will show you and I will make you a great nation. Who? I will make you. What is God doing? He's reversing the curse, not in the sweat of your face, not in this and that. He's reversing the curse. He's bringing it back. He says, I'm opening up a new way again for you because I'm a redemptive God. I'm a covenantal God. In the beginning, I started something and I'm following through with that. Even if man is unfaithful, God cannot be unfaithful. Even if Satan says you can't trust God, God is trustworthy throughout generations. And I will make your name great. Don't make your name great. Allow me to do it. Let me give you favor. Let me give you favor in your business. Let me give you favor among people. And even like Zoe said, even if friends reject you, stay with me. I will make your name great. And many people stop and put a full stop there. There's no full stop. 
Oh Lord, just make my name great. And we pray Yahweh's prayer so that God can bless me and bless me and bless me. I mean, this is not the purpose of it because what happens in a small-minded living 40 years, 50 years, 80 years on earth and we are not mindful of the past and we're not mindful of the future, we will start to live for ourselves. If we don't think generationally, we will never leave a legacy. There's something about understanding the redemptive plan from Genesis to Revelation. God's initial intent is his final intent. It's never changed. God is a redemptive God. He started something. He created man. And he's throughout generations. It's Noah. It's Abram. It's Moses. It's David. It's Paul. It's so God, you'll find God go throughout the whole Bible faithful to his redemptive plan. We just need to follow him. So God is not just saying, I make your name great. He says, so that. The word so that is a purpose statement. Always after a so that comes a purpose. You will be a blessing. Business people, anybody who earns anything, God does not bless us so that we be blessed. God blesses us so that we become a channel, not a reservoir that we become a pipe. You can choose what size pipe you want to be, a small pipe, big pipe. And you need to say, Lord, help me that my pipe stays clean so the things can flow through. It doesn't get blocked and swallowed up. He said, the problem with today is not work. The problem is, is with the worker, the unfaithful steward, taking what is work, what is there, and we become unfaithful with the purpose of God. God throughout generation has been a giving God. He gave creation. He gave everything. He's a giving God. He gave his own son, and all he wants is us to become like him that we become part of his redemption plan, becoming pipes, channels of his purposes and not reservoirs, obstacles to his purposes so that you will be a blessing. And then he said, I will bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, the families of the earth shall be blessed. Are we not part of that? Is you, are you not in a place where God says, I've given you gifts, I've given you talents, I've given you resources. Would you follow with in Abram's footsteps and just be the next channel so that through you the families of the earth will be blessed? We're not just thinking about nations when we pray for nations. We are literally just walking in the purpose of God because God's heart is for the nations of the earth. Friends, it's never just about money. Can we just build another building? There's enough buildings being built. It's always about the bigger picture. It's always about God's redemptive plan following through and not just a short-sighted 60 years on earth and then we die. Here God reverses the curse. Thank you, God. He's a covenantal God. The first mention of a deliberate reversal of the curse is right here with Abram. God's desire is to redeem his, his, his creation so that we can follow in his footsteps. Last week I mentioned this, but I want to focus on this. Ephesians 6, verse 6. Out of this place, you and I have a choice. Are we working and do work as an act of worship God or is it an act of worshiping self? Because work is worship. The Bible says, worship me, work hard. But not just to please your masters, when they are watching, as slaves, which means stewards of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Colossians 3 verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord. Imagine people you employ come work for you, 
And they do it as if they do it for God and not for you. Imagine everybody in our nation, our government, ministers, everybody, work as if unto the Lord. How, what will happen in our business world? A lot of the negative impact, economic impact and pressure we find in the world is not because of COVID. It's not because of load shedding. It's not because of anything else but workers who are unfaithful. Friends, if we look at the world around us, the pressures we face, the darkness we face, the pain we face in business, the pain we face in things around us, it's not because of work. It is because of the absence of worship. If you and I are not intently, deliberately bringing worship back into our factories, back into our businesses, back into our boardrooms, if we don't bring the worship of God back, how will we see worship happen and faithfulness restored? You and I need to believe that the gospel is the answer to the troubles we face. And that we are not shying away from preaching the gospel, no matter where we work and no matter who works for us. We are faithful stewards of the gospel because the gospel is the thing that transforms people's hearts, that brings people back into the relationship with God. And from relationship with God, brings them back into worship. And from worship, it changes their value system in how they work and who they do it for. You cannot expect a dog to mow because it's a dog. You can't expect a cat to bark because it is a cat. Nature dictates habit. You will be shocked if you get home tonight and your kitty, you walk into your home, your kitty starts to bark, bark, and your kids start to bark there. Because you will know it's not funny, it is spooky. Why is my dog mowing? You see, you don't expect that. The same way, you cannot expect of a sinner to worship God. You cannot expect of a sinner not to sin, not to steal, not to do things. And we blame them and blame them. Friends, we can keep on blaming. The only thing we can expect, when God comes and he takes a cat and he makes it a dog, you will say, that is supernatural. That's a miracle. That's the same for every single human being who are not born again. They have to steal. They have to be full of fraud. They have to do whatever. Why? Nature dictates actions. Unless we preach the gospel, we should say nothing more. Unless we bring the solution, which is the gospel, and we bring people back into the redemptive plan of God, and they start to worship the Almighty God, why should their habits change? Born again believers, we are responsible to share the faith we believe in. It's not for evangelists. Evangelists are there to equip the saints so that they can share the gospel. We are fishers of men. We are lights and tired in the darkness. There is a place where the church needs to awaken to the call so that when we do that, we will see revival. And revival is where repentance becomes normal. And God brings restoration. He says, work at it with all your heart. You're working for the Lord not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord. Our inheritance is in Christ. I want to conclude with this. God is the only true owner. And if you don't believe me, try to take something with you when you die. Nobody's got it right yet. They leave everything. 
I mean, you can dream about it, but everything, you're not even going to take your clothes with you. Naked we've come into this world, naked we will leave. There's something about it. We are not the owners even of this jacket. You see, when we all leave, the true owner smiles. It's all his. I wanted to go to that scripture, but we'll continue in the last week I'll share, where he says, command the rich not to be arrogant. It makes so much sense now. What is arrogance? Arrogance is anti-worship. Arrogance is mean I am stronger than God. I'm wiser than God. I am more wise. I mean, we as human beings sit here and just me preaching this is exposing our fallenness, is it not? We are so, me, myself included, we are so arrogant, not realizing who God is. And He is so patient in our arrogance. He's so gracious, calling us back to Him, loving us, not judging us. He's inviting every one of us to bow to him. But imagine every single one of us sitting here today. Every man, every woman bows to Jesus. And say, Lord, let me see your purpose again. Let me hear your voice. Let me fulfill what you called me. What will a small group of people like this not be able to do for God? Church is more than Sunday one hour service. Church is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of worship, obeying God on a daily basis. The way we treat the people we employ and the way we speak about our bosses who employed us, all of it is worship. God is calling us to this place that you and I will start to understand we're living in a fallen world. We know that. Some of our pain is because of our own choices. I've made some bad choices and really I have felt the pain because of my choices, not God. Can I ask him to rescue me? And then some of the pain I experience is not because only of my choices. I'm living in a sinful world. One day in heaven, it will be different. One day when God has come and redeemed everything. But right now, in the midst of dysfunction, God is faithful to build our character so we can stand in the midst of the darkness. It's both. Where are you today? While I'm sharing this message with you this morning, I have a question. What is happening in your soul when we just speak the word of God? That's what happened with Adam. That's what happened with Eve. And none of us are exempt from that. We ourselves are vulnerable to drift from God. We ourselves are vulnerable to the lies of the enemy. Did God really say Nothing will happen if you disobey. We are, our souls are vulnerable to the fact that he says, oh, God is actually hiding something from you. There's much more outside of God. There's a life outside of God. There's truth beyond God. There's life beyond God. He wants us to believe that because he wants you to step into that bee nest. Step into this chaos of life. Life of pain. Because there is no life apart from God. There's no marriage apart from God. There's no blessing apart from God. There's no freedom apart from God. There's no future apart from God. What God is doing is calling back stewards who will faithfully submit to the master. No matter what you own, how do you know who's the owner? 
It's easy. You see who's giving who away. If something belongs to you, you can give it away. If you belong to it, you can't give it away. You belong to it. Who's really the owner? If God's the owner, everything changes. Who do you belong to? Do you belong to your possessions or does it belong to you? Do you belong to God? Or do you think God belongs to you? A lot of the songs, Christian songs today, sings as if God belongs to them. He doesn't. He's God. May we humble ourselves, friends. These empty seats is our responsibility to preach the gospel, to invite our neighbors and friends to reach out, to bring about the change one soul at a time. Let's leave the sinners to sin. Let's make sure we get sinners saved and saved, sanctified. And as they get sanctified, we change the nation. One soul at a time. One family at a time. Father, we thank you that work is not cursed. It's the effect of disobedience and rebellion against you. And Father, we all are so vulnerable, myself included. None of us are above. We need you. We so need you. Fill my spirit, there are people here this morning that God wants to minister to. We want to pray for you. First of all, God is asking you, would you return to me? Would you just dare to go on a journey to say, Lord, I want to come back to you. I want to follow you. I want to hear your voice. I want to obey you. I'm rejecting the lies of the enemy that tells me not to trust God. I want to put my trust in you again. If that is you, just where you're sitting, don't you want to just pray a soft prayer in your heart? So Lord, help me to trust you. Trust me with your time. Trust me with your, my talents. Trust you with my resources. Trust you with my relationships. Completely trust you. Won't you just pray the same prayer? Say, Lord, forgive me for not trusting you. And this morning, I choose to trust you, to put my trust in you, because you're a good God. If you're sitting here this morning and you say, Paul, I really need God's hand on my life, especially when it comes to business, comes to your financial well-being, relational well-being. We serve a faithful God. It's not how perfect we perform. It's how humbly we surrender. And you're willing to surrender to the will of God. I want to pray for you for breakthrough. Really felt my heart, God says, He wants to give breakthrough to those who surrender themselves to God. If that is you, just where you are, just while you're sitting, you don't have to stand up, just raise your hand, I want to pray with you. You need a breakthrough. Whatever it is, it's between you and God. Just raise your hands. I want you to pray this prayer soft with me. Father, I know I deserve nothing. 
that I come to you this morning. Ask your forgiveness for not trusting you. And this morning, I lay my life down before you. Help me to trust you. I surrender my life to you. Would you be gracious to me as you were faithful to Abram? Would you be faithful in my life and bring breakthrough? Change my thinking. Help me to worship you and see your will in my life unfold. Father, we thank you for supernatural, not just provision, but the will of God to be prevailing. Not our will, your will, God. Whatever you had in mind, Lord, we submit to that, whatever it is. You are God, let your will be done. Father, I pray people's work environments. I pray your blessing over them. I pray, Father, the favor of God on every person with skills, with talents, with time. Lord, whatever the ability to give anything, would you bless what we give as we step out in the workplace, step out in this dark world. And Lord, we want to see a difference. Would you place your favor? Would you put your favor on your children? Lord, as you promised to Abram, through them, the nations will be blessed, God. And from one family to the next, would you bless your people that they will be a shining light. And Lord, as they shine, would you remind them that they have the responsibility to share the gospel and to bring people into your kingdom. Thank you for your favor upon your people. I bless them in Jesus' name. May the peace of God be with you. May His favor shine upon you. May you be blessed so that through you, the blessing of God will flow to the lost and to the nations. In Jesus' name, I pray this over you. Amen, amen, amen. And that concludes today's message. For more information, visit our website at everynationtwane.org forward slash moikluf. That's everynationtwane.org forward slash moikluf. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Till next time then. Yeah.